Welcome to this April 20th, 2021 episode of My Low Carb Life. I'm Keith McDaniel, and thanks for listening to this podcast. By the way, I'm not a doctor or medical professional. I'm just a guy who figured out a way to lose 130 pounds and keep it off. So if you're planning on starting any kind of weight loss program, please talk to your doctor to make sure that what you're planning is healthy and right for you. And later on in the podcast, I talk with Tom Baker. Tom is an author and speaker who made a big change in his life when he was faced with a professional crisis. He discovered what stress and worry can really do to a person, both physically and mentally. But he also figured out how to overcome stress and worry and now shares his experience and wisdom with others. So I'm looking forward to that conversation that we have with Tom. Also, I'm going to share uh, one of my favorite low-carb recipes, as I do uh, every, every time. Uh, but to begin with, I want to talk a bit about a new project that I am very, very excited to share. Back when I decided to start this podcast in January of this year, um, I, um, I was in the process of writing a book about my experience, about my life. And uh, I, I have almost finished the book. Uh, it is going to an editor, my editor, uh, in about a month. I'm putting some finishing touches on it right now. And I plan for the book to come out in August of this summer. Uh, the book is the same title right now as the podcast. It's called My Low Carb Life, How I Lost 130 Pounds and Changed My Life. And this book is something that um, is something new for me. Uh, those who know me know that I'm a documentary filmmaker. I've done that for over 20 years, and I've produced 16 documentary films. Um, but I've never written a book, and I always wanted to. And when I sat down to start writing this book, it just kind of came out. Um, the, the, the flow and the nature of the book is like I'm just sitting across the kitchen table from you and just telling you my thoughts and telling you my story. So really, the book is kind of a uh, combination of a memoir, of a um, self-help book, motivational book. It tells my story of my, my background, my, my lifelong struggle with being overweight, and how at the age of 58, I decided to once and for all take control of my health. And uh, I write about what I discovered that worked for me. And I offer some advice for others who might choose to do the same. You know, my hope is that in reading this book, people will be able to relate to my story and realize that it is never too late to make a change in your life and your health that will have an impact on the rest of your life. Um, so I'm very excited about the book. However, um, I'm going to self-publish the book, uh, and that is not inexpensive. So I decided that what I would do is I would pre-sell copies of the book, um, and uh, that way it would raise some funds in order to me to get the book published and all the things that need to be done with publishing a book. So I have created a crowdfunding um, uh, page for My Low Carb Life, 
It is on Indiegogo. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Indiegogo, that's kind of like a Kickstarter campaign, but it's a if it's it's a different format. But it's on Indiegogo, uh, and um, you can you can go to Indiegogo.com. That's i n d i e g o g o dot com, and just search for my low carb life, and, and you'll find it there. Now, one of the interesting things about crowdfunding is you offer things to the public that you normally would not be able to get. Um, basically, you're, you're pre-ordering the book. You're, you're, you're ordering it in advance. And in August, it will be shipped to you. But I've come up with several what they call perks. These are things that you get uh, that are a little, little extra when you pre-order the book. So I want to kind of go over those perks. Um, and the first, the featured perk, there's, I think there's five or six. The featured uh, perk is a signed paperback copy. That's the main thing that you get. You get a, a, a copy of the book that's signed by me. And you'll also, in that perk, uh, you will join my author community, which means that you will get emails and messages uh, on a regular basis about the, prog- the progress of the book and how things are going. You will get to read the introduction to my book before it's published. You'll get to read it early. You'll help me select my cover because the cover that uh, I have right now is just kind of a, a, a mock-up of what we think it's going to look like. But I'm probably going to come up with several different covers and let people vote on which one they like the best. Also, because the book is not published yet, once you uh, sign up for a, per- a perk, uh, one of these perks, you uh, you will be listed in the acknowledgments uh, section of the book. So your name will be printed in the acknowledgments section of the book. So that is the that is a signed paperback. That's kind of our featured perk. Uh, and uh, that is $29. So you go to the page, you go to Indiegogo into my page, and you say, get this perk, and you order it. And uh, that's that's the perk. Okay, so so the next perk is maybe you're not a fan of, of reading reading paper books anymore. Maybe you read everything on you know, on your on your uh, phone or or on your uh, tablet. So you can pre-order the ebook. There will be an ebook version of this book, and you'll receive all those things that I listed, um, except for the paperback. You'll get the ebook emailed to you, and, and so you'll be able to have that. Now. If you just want the paperback copy, you don't care about having it signed, you can do that as well. But you'll still get all those other things that I listed, the author community, the read the introduction early, the cover, and the acknowledgments recognition. And you will get a paperback copy of the book, and that is $20. Now, all these prices, I should say, include shipping. So uh, there's no extra shipping to that or anything like that. Now, we step up a little bit. And for $50, you can choose this perk. You get all the things that I mentioned, the author community, the introduction, the cover, the acknowledgments. But you get two signed paperback copies of the book, one for you and one that you can give as a gift to someone. Uh, so, so there you go. So that's $50. Now, the, the last two perks are really what we call experiences. These are things that you just can't buy. These are things that you, you, you will not be available again. Um, 
And the, the, the first one is $100. That's $100. And you'll get all the things that I mentioned. You'll also get two signed paperback copies, one for you and one that you can give away. And also, you will get a 30-minute Zoom virtual coaching session with me. In other words, we will have a 30-minute Zoom call, and you can ask me whatever questions you want about low-carb cooking. I can give you some advice, some insight into the, the challenges and the things that I have done. But it is a personal, it's just you and me, a personal Zoom call virtual uh, coaching session with me. So that's, that's $100. And the last, and, there, and those are limited. Uh, there's a, only 25 of those can be claimed. So the last one, and this is kind of the big perk, and this is for people who sort of have deep pockets or want this experience, is you get, it's, it's $500. I know that's a lot, but that's, it's $500. And you get all the things that I mentioned. Uh, the author community, the introduction, help me select my cover, uh, your name listed in the acknowledgement section of the book. You also get four signed paperback copies, and I will deliver those four copies to you when I come to your house and cook you a low-carb meal for up to four people. Now, there are some restrictions that apply to that. Um, I can't just be traipsing off all around the country. Uh, you must be located within 75 miles of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, where I live. Uh, and we, this is something that we will schedule, and I will talk with you in advance, and you can pick your menu uh, from a, a certain choices that I have. But that is, a, I call that I cook for you, and that's $500, uh, and we'll do that. Uh, sometime this summer or this fall, whenever it's convenient that we can schedule that. So those are the different perks. Um, I am trying to raise, or my goal is to raise $4,000 because I think that is about what it's going to take to, um, to produce the book, to do the marketing, to get the editing done, all the things that go into and, and have several hundred copies of the book. Uh, to be able to, to send out and, and to sell. So, so that's it. That's, that's, our, uh, that's our Indiegogo page, our crowdfunding page for this book. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm just tickled. I've had some beta readers who have read the book uh, in advance and have given me feedback, and I've made changes and adjustments. So, uh, so I'm very excited about this. But this doesn't go on forever. Uh, we have, it'll last for a couple of months. So if you really want to help, if you really want to, to be a part of this and you feel like you can do one of those, uh, one of those perks, uh, and pre-order the book and, and just choose which, whichever level you, you are comfortable with and that you can do, uh, I would really, really appreciate if you'd go ahead and do that. They say you need to get the momentum going and the more people that, uh, that you know that back you they they say they call they call them backers uh, the more people that back you early then the better off it, it is uh, in the long run other people that that will discover this on indiegogo and perhaps order the book and say well we've got so many people that have ordered it already uh, we probably ought to go ahead and do that as well so so that's 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 my news that's 
and and the and the Indiegogo um, campaign. The page is live now. You can go there at any time. So what I want to do today is um, is uh, as I as I said, I'm still working on the book. I'm still polishing it. My editor cannot uh, begin the editing process until June the first. So I've got you know, another five weeks or so that I can, you know, add to it and polish it and change some things. And so I want to read a, a, a chapter from the book. And let me tell you a little bit about it, uh, the way that the book is laid out. It is, um, it's a lot of short chapters. I, you know, like I said, I, I wrote this book as though I am uh, sitting across the table just telling you a, a story. And the first section of it is really my history, my background, and also how I came to decide to lose weight and the process that I went through. Uh, for example, there's, yeah, I call it, this is my story. Um, you know, the first chapter is, I am not a doctor. Uh, you know, and I have other chapters like the physical, when I went to the doctor and discovered how much I, I weighed. Um, facing the problem, figuring it out, uh, beginning, and so it began. Um, and I, I do a chapter on to weigh or not to weigh. Should, should I weigh or not? And then I talk about the very first day that I start, March 5th, 2016. Then I kind of move into what happened after I started my diet, my, my low-carb eating plan. The first few months, um, I have one chapter called my first and only 5K race. Uh, that's a funny story. Uh, I talk about, you know, blood work and social support to exercise or not to exercise. Uh, I talk about what happens when you fall off the wagon. Uh, a whole section, uh, I mean, a whole chapter about falling off the wagon, which we all do every once in a while. So, uh, so we do that. I talk very specifically about keeping a food journal, and those who've listened to me before know that I really believe uh, in keeping a food journal. I even give you some examples of, of a couple of food journals that, that I keep. Um, and then I talk about what do I eat, and, and I've shared some of that on this podcast. Um, you know, what are the things, what are some of the favorite things that I can eat on a low-carb diet? Um, I talk about when you reach a plateau, when you just stop losing weight, how do you break a plateau? I talk about low-carb eating mistakes, um, you know, when you fail uh, and when you want to give up. Um, and it, there's a new chapter that I've just recently added that I want to read that section to you today. Uh, it's fairly short, but I'll read, I'll read from the book. It's called, uh, You Can't Have Your Cake and Eat It Too. So let me find that real quick, and I'll, I'll, I'll read that for you. Um, you know, you've heard that old saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So, so the book, oh, and also uh, at the, um, that's, the, that, that's the, probably the first two-thirds of the book is, is just me talking um, about my experience and giving you tips and things such as that. But the last third of the book is you've heard me uh, give you some of my favorite low-carb recipes on the podcast, if you've been listening. Well, I put those together, so I include 50 of my favorite low-carb recipes. I give you the instructions, the ingredients, the instructions, um, and I also give you the nutritional value that I count in my food journal, which is 
net carbs, calories, protein, and fat for each of those recipes. So it will be a really great, There, I mean, there are thousands, tens of thousands of, of low-carb recipes online. Uh, but these are some that I have made, that I have tried, um, and some of them I make on a regular basis. So, uh, so I think that will be kind of a help to that. So here we go. Here's a section of my book, and then we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to my conversation with Tom Baker. You can't have your cake and eat it too. In the creative world, there is an old saying: you can have it fast, you can have it good, you can have it cheap. However, you can only choose two of those. For example, you can have it fast and good, but it won't be cheap. You can have it good and cheap, but it won't be fast. Or you can have it fast and cheap, but it won't be good. In other words, you have to sacrifice something. I believe the same goes for losing weight. If someone tells you that you can lose weight and still eat anything you want, they are either being dishonest or they don't know what they're talking about. I knew when I began my weight loss that I had to sacrifice something to attain the results I wanted. That's just the nature of the beast. I couldn't eat things loaded with sugar and still maintain the level of carbs that I knew would, res would result in weight loss. I was going to have to give up many of those things. I knew I couldn't eat a half a bag of potato chips. I knew I couldn't have a big plate of pasta or a big bowl of rice. Those were just not in the cards for me if I wanted results. So, I had to sacrifice. I had to change my attitude towards those things. Was it hard? Absolutely. But was it and is it worth it? Without question. I decided that my health and quality of life in the long term was way more important than the temporary satisfaction those foods brought. And after a while, I grew accustomed to my new way of eating. But to be honest, it has been more than five years since I started eating the way I do. And I still have cravings and am tempted to eat things that I know I shouldn't. But the good news is that once you learn what you can eat and how much you can eat, then you may be able to have a bite of those forbidden items every once in a while. But it takes self-control and determination. That will come. It may take some time, but one day you will realize that by working to reach your goals, you have found a new strength that perhaps you never had previously. That of having self-control. At least that's what happened for me. And that new sense of self-control has spread into other aspects of my life, not just eating. It is a new tool I can use at work, at home, and in my personal development. It is something I never thought I would have to the degree that I have it now. So remember, sacrifice is a part of anything that is worth doing, and the benefits can certainly outweigh the costs. So that's a, a brief chapter from, from my new book, My Low-Carb Life. Um, uh, and and that's, the, that's the kind of the tips and information and motivation, whatever you want to call it, that I provide in the book. So, uh, 
So thank you so much for, for indulging me and for letting me take this time in the podcast to talk about this project that I'm very excited about. And I hope, I hope you will uh, go ahead and, and, and pre-order the book so we can have a successful crowdfunding campaign. All right. Now, um, as I mentioned, we're going to talk with Tom Baker. Um, Tom is someone that I've not been really close friends with, but we've known each other for years. Uh, he's in the same business that I, that I am in, and, and you know, in production and, and creative work. Uh, and Tom, uh, he 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 came to a kind of a crisis in his life, and and uh, now he has written about it. He 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 speaks about it. And he's helping other people. So let me uh, let's let's listen to my uh, conversation that I recently had with Tom Baker. And today I want to welcome to the podcast Tom Baker. Tom, uh, you are a you are a, a an inspirational and motivational speaker. You're an, a published author. You've done all kinds of things. Um, and so, I'm just getting started. Yeah, you're just getting started, and uh, we, we're not friends, close friends, but we've known each other. We're we're colleagues in the in the the film and video world, and, and where we live, and but uh, so we've known each other for a while. But I think your I think your story is pretty amazing about uh, coming to a point in your life and making some big changes, and and I want to talk about that a little bit. But why don't you tell us about you and 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 kind of a little bit about your story. Well, uh, Keith, it's great. I'm I'm so honored to to be on your podcast. I appreciate you asking. Uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a journey. Uh, you know, we all have our own specific journeys, and it's it's kind of fun to look back and and really kind of see the twists and turns that uh, that happen. Uh, and I say often that our lives are all about navigating those twists and turns. It, it's never a straight line, and and we really don't want it to be. Uh, but I started, uh, and I was in the nightclub industry as uh, uh, a, a big company. I'm from Knoxville, but I moved to Texas uh, and was was over the entertainment, uh, hiring and firing of DJs and setting the music programs, the music systems, lighting systems, and all that uh, for a company uh, in Texas that owned nearly 20 clubs. And I was traveling all across the country all the time uh, and realized uh, I had I had not finished college. I had about a year left in college when I took that job, and um, change the biggest change up to that point in my life was deciding that the nightclub industry was no life for uh, anybody <laughs> over twenty five, and uh, trying to get serious in life. And so I I made the choice to come back to Knoxville and finished college. And I was about 29 at that time. And to, to take such a turn like that, to go back to college, you know, initially I was the guy in the back of the room, either, either asleep or making fun of all the people in the front of the classroom uh, who were asking all the questions. And then I come back at age 29 and I'm the guy that they're all making fun of. I'm in the front challenging the teacher and, and really uh, trying to get the most out of my school dollar. And so uh, I finally graduated and um, uh, took a job in radio uh, actually was working part-time in radio to get through college, uh, as well as at a TV station. And um, I worked in radio for a couple of years and realized uh, that uh, I liked writing 
radio commercials and producing radio commercials. And I got hired by an ad agency and uh, that ad agency, I was a writer and they were short staffed and they needed a television producer to, to go help them produce their TV commercials. And I'm like, well, I've worked in TV a little bit. Uh, worked at Channel 43. Remember Channel 43 oh, yeah. when it was, uh, uh, they had, uh, goodness, Phil Rainey was, yeah, Phil was Rainey. the, uh, yeah, great guy. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up uh, producing TV commercials for this ad agency. And uh, that led to work in, uh, to a production company. And then HGTV comes along. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, I decided to apply for HGTV. Uh, it was right before they even launched. And I worked there for seven years and worked my way up to being over the uh, TV editing department. I was manager. And, and, and let me interrupt you, Tom, for, sure. for folks that are listening that are not from East Tennessee. Um, Knoxville was the headquarters for yeah. HGTV. And which uh, is, is now Discovery. And it's yeah, now it's here. Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, a terrific company to work with and for. And the one thing about uh, if, if you know uh, Scripps and HGTV's history, they hit the ground running and, and just exponentially grew really fast. And so um, I saw how much work they had to contract out. Um, mm -hmm. they, they were constantly looking for production companies to help them in their editing and, 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 and producing and all that stuff. And so I, I make the interesting choice to leave a perfectly secure, uh, you know, decently paying job to open my own business to try to be a contractor for them. Now, I knew a lot of people there, so it was not uh, too much of a leap in faith. But then again, uh, it was the first time that I really said every other week paycheck, uh, insurance, all that stuff. Nah, don't need it. And, yep. and you know, my wife, uh, who, who was t totally supportive, uh, you know, at first when I came to her with this kooky idea, you know, I, I, I'm not going to work for somebody anymore. I'm going to have my own business. And uh, so that kind of reminds me of the, the day that I came home to tell my wife at 40 years old, honey, I think I've decided to become a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> so and, and, she was supportive. She said, Where's the punchline? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it, and it's, and it's bold and it's scary, but uh, you know, looking back, that was uh, 19 years ago and uh, it's been, it's been the biggest roller coaster ride I've ever had in my life. Uh, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but uh, as you well know, Keith, um, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Uh, and, and anymore, even the sec most secure job doesn't really have that much security anymore. So, uh, but still, uh, you know, if, if you don't get a paycheck, it's all on your shoulders as a business owner. And, and you just got to go out and be inventive and be uh, resourceful and be adaptive to changes. So um, honestly, uh, after getting, you know, my sea legs in, in getting, uh, you know, running a little a business and, and uh, it took off pretty quickly. And I ended up, uh, you know, for the first five years or so, you know, income doubled every year. And, uh, you know, you've got two choices to do that either, either just, you know, stop at a certain point and not take any more business or grow with it. And so I started hiring people. I started buying more equipment, uh, you know, getting a, a place to do it, having a production truck, all that stuff. And, and, uh, is anyone can imagine that's expensive. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I didn't want to hire anybody who wasn't, uh, you know, it, at least as good as me. I tried to hire people that were better than me just to keep uh, the image and the quality top notch. And so uh, it, it, it just was sailing. Uh, I'd, I'd, you know, every year we had new and different business that, that was so exciting to, 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 to watch, to be a part of. Um, we did tons of work for HGTV. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I saw that all the eggs were in that basket. Yeah. Uh, that's all we were doing. And, you know, having a larger and larger and larger debt amount and also just the the overhead of having really good people and, uh, uh, you know, a place to to operate, uh, you know, it's like, you know, we need to start spreading out. And so we we did, but we didn't do it in time um, as as change has its way it mm-hmm. did with us and uh there became new competition for people who were doing the same thing we were doing at at scripts there became uh people who got into the business at the point where equipment started getting less expensive you know when when uh cameras were 50 80,000 dollars all of a sudden in what was it about 2011 2012 where you could buy a really nice camera for $5,000 sure absolutely and so yeah, and and I was still paying loan uh, debt on these expensive things. Yeah, and so uh, people got into our business, uh, the TV production business, uh, and and competition got fierce. And my pride was just high enough at that time where I'm like, ah, eh, we can weather it, no problem. And we lost a ton of business, and mm-hmm. and uh, income went to about a third, which just scared me to death. I mean, it would anybody. Sure, uh, sure. And uh, I, I also had enough pride to where I didn't want to let anybody go. I didn't want to have the appearance that we were in trouble by laying off people. Our, our Knoxville production business, uh, everybody knows each other. You and I have known each other forever. And so talk is pretty, I don't know, rampant. Uh, in the business. It just, people just do. And so uh, I tried to keep up the appearance and the errors that we were doing fine when we weren't. And so what did I do? I continued paying my employees instead of the IRS. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. (laughs) It's not (laughs) smart uh, because they noticed. And, um, you know, it got to a point where I owed them a lot of money and I had it in my head where, uh, you know, something will come back and we'll, I'll pay them off in the be fine. Well, it didn't. And so um, I got to the point after uh, six, eight months of, of trying to do the dance where I ultimately did have to lay everybody off. And they were family. They were, they were my really good friends. I felt responsible yeah. for them. I felt, I felt responsible for uh, their families, all of that. And, and the, the, the pressure, uh, you know, running your business, you worry anyway. You always yeah. are looking down the road. Yeah, you got business today, but you've got to take care of next month. You've got to take care of six months from now. So you're always kind of worried how it's going to play out. And now the situation I was in at that point, I was crushed. I felt like a failure. I felt that it there, there started to look like there was no way out of this. Yep. And over the course of a year of when that started, I lost 30 pounds uh, Mm. just due to worry. It wasn't the diet that, that 
I would suggest to anybody because it was total worry. It was total anxiety. It was just me not sleeping, me having, you know, tremendously high blood pressure. It was me just fretting all day long. I was nauseous going to the mailbox because it was just late notices. It was people demanding money, you know, and, and, and then in this business, you know, it's not just banks and, and leasing companies that you owe. It's writers, it's voiceover artists, it's camera operators, it's graphic artists, it's all these people who I've worked with for years and had a great working relationship with, but all of a sudden I owe them money. Yeah. And, and that's what I was about to, to say. These are your friends. I mean, these yeah. are your friends because we're, yeah. you know, we're, we it's trusted just, each other. like you said, everybody knows everybody, you yeah. know, and uh, we've all worked together. Exactly. And, you know, and it's not like they didn't think I wouldn't pay them, but I wasn't going to pay them now. It was, you know, I got to keep the lights on and I got to keep, you know, uh, you know, I can't lose the building or I can't, I won't even have the capacity to pay you. So, you know, you, you play that juggling game of who, who do I pay in order to stay in business? Well, it's not the graphic artist. And so, um, you know, it, it was, it was very hard. I didn't want to ever answer the phone. I, you know, it was just every day just became this, this deeper and darker pit. And, uh, after a a little while and my wife is a rock, God bless her. She, she is wonderful. She's encouraging. She, she seemed to always have the right thing to say, well, at, at this point in my life, nothing anybody said made a dent. It just put me deeper into, and I'm sure if you asked any doctor, it would be depression because uh, yeah. I just, I was just spiraling. And um, she just looked at me one day and said, I don't know what to do. I'm going to lose you through this because I just kept going down and down. I was always angry. I was disengaged with the family. It was, it was a really tough time. And oddly enough, Keith, what made a dent in me was our rescue dog, our dog Mango, uh, who we had already had. Uh, she's just a silly fur factory, this lick monster that just all she wanted to do was play all the time. Uh-huh. And it made me mad that this thing was happy all the time. You know, you know, when you get home from work and the, the, the crazy dog just comes running at you and, and like, oh, you're my hero. You're finally home. Oh, I can't wait to see you and play with you. And I'm looking down, I'm like, shut up. I'm not <laughs> in the mood. And, and so what I'd ended up doing was watching this animal, watching this creature, what makes her happy? I mean, you know, I, I got really curious. I mean, what, how can you be happy all the time? Yes. Dogs don't have a mortgage and they don't, they don't have the light bill, but I, I really wanted to get deeper into it. And, and I noticed some things that actually helped me turn. Now, now I'll be honest, straight up front with you. Faith was a huge thing. And, and, and I was faithful before, but I kind of just turned my head and got mad at the situation. Mm-hmm. But yep. looking at this dog, it's like, why? What is? What are the secrets that I can get a get, get a little bit of a clue of of working this out better? And you know, I I was going to le- try to learn secrets of life from from an animal that that eats off the floor. <laughs> that, that, that I was going to learn about life from a from a creature that drinks out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah. But, 
but there are things that dogs do that we can learn from. And, you know, worry, worry is a horrible thing. You know, it sounds so innocent. It sounds, it's such a, oh, he's worried, but you know, it, it can really, if you let it, you, it can have its way with you. It, it can take control. And I submit that not only is it, can it cause health issues, but you know, it can be the beginnings of addictions. It can be the beginnings of a lot of things where we're trying to numb the pain of worrying so much that we, we remove ourselves from life. And, um, and I watching this dog, I noticed that the main thing that I picked up, I picked up a lot of things. I mean, cause what, what do dogs do? What, what, if, if you just watched uh, you know, some dogs are wacky and, and, and very sure, <laughs> have, have sure. high, uh, high maintenance, but, but for most dogs, they, they, we could learn forgiveness. We could learn how to be submissive to, to things that we need to be submissive to, instead of just being so selfish all the time. Uh, yeah. we can learn loyalty. Uh, and you know, the bottom line, there's unconditional love. You, you ask anybody what what the one thing that stands out about a dog, and it's unconditional love. They just that's what they do. They just love. They you know you can get angry at them, you can scold them, and ten seconds later they're coming back for some sure, love. Sure. And and uh, and and also they are selfless. I saw and I saw this on the internet, so you know it's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> that the dogs are the one creature that love others more than themselves. You can't say that about cats. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you can say that about horses or any, you know, especially humans, but yeah. they serve. And so the things that I learned from this dog, number one was to live for this moment. You know, when we're worried, we're not worried about this moment. We're worried about tomorrow and we're worried about next week next month next you know we're always worried about how is this going to play out how is this going to affect me how is this uh you know how am i going to deal with this mm-hmm. and um dogs are not there they they one they don't consider yesterday at all they don't have really regret they they didn't, my dog didn't worry whether she chewed up my sock or not you know it was a victory for her uh, <laughs> and she's not even though i got mad at her she's not just okay it doesn't matter and 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 she's not worried about next week's food bowl i mean she's just she does now and and what i got from that which i wasn't doing at all was just navigate today there, there are plenty of things when I'm worried, I, I just get lost in what might happen. Right. I'm, I'm thinking about how, how is this going to play out? How, how, you know, what about this decision, whether I'm thinking about a diagnosis, whatever, you, you don't know the answer. So you worry about it. Mm-hmm. But if you just consider that you've got enough to think about today, you've got enough to do today. And, and, you know, if you have to write a list of things that, that you need to accomplish today and then feel accomplished from them, then, then worry kind of takes a back seat. And, and I would, then, and Tom, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I would imagine people that listen to this podcast for the most part would like to make some changes in their life. Would like to make, absolutely would like to lose some weight, would like to get healthier, things such as that. And that is such a good point about taking everything one day at a time, one step at a time. Well, that's the only choice we have. 
everything else is a fantasy. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is totally in our imagination. And, and, and as much as we want to fix things, we humans are fixers. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't. And so if you can't immediately fix it, you try to fix it in here, in your mind, and you can't. And so what's left with it? You, you worry. You, you have to try to figure it out. And there's so many things that will happen between now and when this worry thing plays out that we don't have any clue of, of, of what's going to affect, actually affect what we're worried about. So if we just stop and say, today, let's deal with today. And, and if you look at the Bible uh, most seriously, and, and look, I mean, there's plenty of times where it says, do not fear, do not worry about anything. But what it's really trying to say is, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. Deal with today and deal with what you got to deal with. And, and when you're talking about change, Keith, um, uh, when I speak places, that's one, one of the biggest worries that we have. When I speak places, it's always about dealing and controlling worry. But you can't deal with it and control it unless you understand what you're worrying about. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, uh, you know, I, I, I ask people, what, what are things that you worry about? And, we're, you know, it's money, it's sickness, it's disease, it's health, it's, it's job security. It's, it's always things. But if you break it down into really one of those, if you, could, if you could boil it into subjects, it would be change and it would be struggle. And that's, I mean, there are other things, but for the most part, we worry about change and we worry about the struggle that's involved in it. Right. And so if you look at it on the surface, change is scary. It's, it's the total unknown, whether you make the change yourself, whether you desire it and, and, and you, and you look at the consequences or what might happen during that change or at the end of the change, uh, it's you have no choice but to just boil it around in your head and and worry about it, yep. and then struggle. The other thing is just trying to uh, imagine that you're going to go through some kind of struggle, and you just don't picture yourself being able to deal with it. You don't picture yourself strong enough to deal with it, and so dig a little, little deeper. Change is something that if it didn't happen. It would it would likely be worse. Now, think about this for a second, Keith. If you go back ten years in your life, ten years, and and try to assess your relationship, your professional career, your the way that you navigate your relationships with people, just look at the whole of your life, yep. and then fast forward to this moment, and imagine that nothing has changed. Imagine you had had not grown in your career. You had not grown in your relationship with your spouse or your significant other. You hadn't grown in anything. Your, your ability to adapt, your, all of that. If you hadn't grown at all, if you hadn't changed at all, how depressing is that? I yeah. mean, it's awful to think of that. So, if you take that scenario and realize that change, no matter how difficult it might be, usually ends up good. Okay, if you get a, if you get faced with a job loss, and and plenty of people have in this last year, or yeah. at least a job 
uh, change in your job. It's scary because all you know is what you got. All you know is what, you know, the, the past up, up to this point. And any change from that is uncomfortable territory. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. I mean, look at a move, right? If, if, if you're, you know, and, and most moves are voluntary, but yeah. it's, it's really hard because I look around at our house and there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, but, but what do moves do? They force you to assess what needs to stay and what needs to go and what needs to move and what is like, you know, I've been looking at this for 10 years. I just don't need that anymore. You yep. wouldn't make that choice if you weren't moving. Right. That's so, true. so change forces us sometimes to really evaluate where we are and where we'd like to be. And, you know, like you talk a lot about food change uh, and, and the way that you uh, treat the health of your body. Um, it's scary because, you know, I made a, a big food change about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And even that's scary because I had my habits. I had my way of doing things and I was comfortable with that. Yep. And when you look at change, you look at it as like, I don't know if I'll be able to pull that off. And it's scary. And and honestly, Keith, none of us give ourselves enough credit. I don't. Uh, and that, and to me, that's a lot of where worry comes from, is you see an upcoming change, whether voluntary or whether it's something you really don't want. Um, yeah. You just don't give yourself enough credit to adapt to that change. And if you look at the most successful people in our country, in the world, you look at the most successful business operators, you look at the most successful athletes, uh, or, or any, anybody who's tremendously successful, the reason most likely that they are is because of their ability to adapt. Change is guaranteed, right? The only, the only time that we are not guaranteed change is when we're standing in front of a vending machine. <laughs> uh, in, insert yeah but, but exactly. seriously change is guaranteed it's going yeah. to happen and like i said earlier if it doesn't it's not necessarily good that it doesn't um you've and, gone and, through yeah excuse me i'm sorry and and that's uh, and i guess that's kind of a point there is because change is guaranteed that it's going to happen whether it's something that you initiate or something is initiated upon you the way to successfully navigate change, I would think, is your attitude towards that change. Absolutely. Attitude, and, and you've probably heard this before, but I, I say it a lot, is the problem is not the problem. The problem is our ability to embrace and deal with the problem. And that, to me, that's what life is all about. And if we can navigate a change or a struggle associated with that change, then we look back on it and go, huh, I did that. That wasn't as bad as I thought. It didn't, it wasn't great, but I powered through it. I was able to navigate. I'm still standing and I'm still breathing. And, and actually I'm the smarter for it. So if, if we can look at upcoming changes with that attitude that, you know, I, I don't like it. I don't want to do it, but I bet I can. If, 
if I know I went through this last one and, and that's a lot of, to me, what worry is, is, is look back a little bit and look at what you have been able to deal with. Yeah. All of us have gone through some pretty big disasters and struggles. Sure. You know, I, I've gone through two job losses. I've gone through, you know, the, the scenario I spelled out earlier of, of losing a lot of weight and a lot of sweat and, and, you know, just really having a, a, a really bad episode of worry. And, and what that taught me though, is, is one, I saw how bad worry can get. And, and it was totally my choice. It was totally my attitude and my perspective on what was happening. If I could look at it is there's going to be a way to grow through this. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a way to uh, watch myself have a victory. If, if I power through this, if I don't quit, if I don't just walk away and give up, I, I will have a victory story. And, and honestly, Keith, there is no such thing as a victory story if we quit. That's right. And, and all of our victory stories are the result of some kind of struggle, some kind of trial. So, you know, we can we can face those. We can embrace a change and we can embrace a, a difficulty a little more if we realize what it's going to ultimately give us. Yeah. And it, it's hard when you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a change. All you can see is the struggle. And, and it's hard to, to pull back and say, wait, there might be some really good things come out of this. And, and one of my biggest things about dealing with change and about dealing with struggle is the blessings that can result from them. You look back on the, the struggle that I had uh, with my business nearly failing and having to lay people off and being tremendously in debt and having the IRS breathe down my throat. Yep. You know what that resulted into? It resulted into two books. It resulted into me speaking and having a passion about helping other people not go where I went. And and look at you. You went through a massive change mm-hmm. um, and you stuck with it and yep. you saw the result and you have a victory story. And now you're passionate about sharing that with other people. And I think yeah. that's bottom line. That's what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to help each other. All right. And, so, well, th- Tom, I've only got about a minute left. I'm going to run out of time. Oh, no. here. But I could talk forever. I, oh, I know. That's great. It's been fantastic. And I'm glad you got to the point where you're talking about now, you, you know, you've got a couple of books that have been published. You've got some more that are on the way. You're a speaker. No. How can people find you and get more information about you? The easiest way is TomBakerSpeaker.com. www.com tombakerspeaker.com that has that has links to the books it has uh, a little demo of of me speaking at a couple places and um it you know a little bit of, a little bit of history probably should have more but uh, and also ultimately a way to reach me uh, all right and uh, i'd love to help people one-on-one uh speak to a group or whatever it's uh, it's 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 my passion to do that and keith i, I appreciate you allowing me to yap for a while. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Tom, so much. I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners really appreciate you being uh, on with us today. So thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Tom Baker, for being with us and for sharing your, your wit and your wisdom and your knowledge. We appreciate that. Now, um, as promised, here is one of my 
favorite low-carb recipes, and I love a prime rib. Um, you know, usually, uh, you know, I've never, I never cooked it before now, but, uh, but I love to get a good prime rib. So this is a called the perfect prime rib. It's very simple on how to cook this. So the ingredients include one prime rib roast. It can be really any size with or without the bone, garlic powder, and salt and pepper. Now, the instructions are fairly simple. You preheat the oven to 550 degrees, and you make a rub of salt, pepper, and garlic powder, and you just apply it to the meat. You just spread it all over the meat. You place the meat in a shallow roasting pan with the fat side up. There'll be a fat side. And you roast at five minutes per pound if you want it rare, six minutes per pound if you want it medium, and seven minutes per pound for well done. Now, that's not all the cooking, but what you do at that point is you turn off the oven at the end of that time and do not open the oven door for two hours. At the end of the two hours, you remove the meat from the oven and then you slice. Simple and effective. So if you love prime rib, this is a great, uh, great recipe for you to try, maybe for a special occasion or something like that. Now, the nutritional value, the serving size is six ounces, which is, you know, about, about right. Um, there are no net carbs in it. Um, calories are 375. Protein is 40 grams and fat is 23 grams. So I hope you, uh, Try that out, the perfect prime rib. Uh, I know I can't afford to, to do that all the time, but occasionally on a special occasion, that might be a, a, a nice treat to have. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of My Low Carb Life. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Tom Baker, for sharing with us. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Of course, we publish new episodes in the first and third Tuesday of each month. Uh, be sure to like or subscribe to this podcast where you are listening. Uh, but for now, you can just Google at Low Carb Keith to find us or visit anchor.fm slash lowcarbkeith. Also, if you have questions or topics you would like for me to address on the podcast, or if you have a success story of your own about low-carb living, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at lowcarbkeith at gmail.com. That's lowcarbkeith, all one word, at gmail.com. And I know I've had experts on uh, in nutrition and health, but I really want to talk to some people who have had success in low-carb uh, living. So, uh, so really, if, you, if, you've, if you've had some success, it doesn't have to be 130 pounds, and maybe it was 10 or 20 pounds, uh, let me know. Uh, I'd love to reach out to you and, and have you as possibly a guest on the podcast. So, so you email me at lowcarbkeith at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes of this podcast, I want to invite you to please support me and these efforts. And as I said, uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, one way you can do that in a big way is to pre-order my new book. You can find the link to that at indiegogo.com and search from my low carb life that's i n d i e g o g o.com 
and just search for My Low Carb Life and that will take you to our crowdfunding page. I hope you will continue with me on this journey and hopefully you will find something in these stories that will inspire, motivate, and educate you to do something that will improve your health and quality of life for the rest of your life. This is Keith McDaniel, Living My Low Carb Life.